There I am. You didn't want to hear my part only. <laughs> um, our New Testament lesson, uh, even though it is not the focus of uh, the sermon today, it does play a part as a lectionary passage. It talks about um, our salvation and uh, God uh, being our salvation, and it talks about covering a multitude of sins. Uh, so anyway, our New Testament passage today is James 5, verses 13 through 20. Let us hear God's word. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven, uh, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from, wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. Let us have a word of prayer as we focus our attention on Psalm 124. Lord, we are thankful that we can be in this place today and that we can call you our God and that we do not have to come and get all cleaned up before we go and all our act together fully before we come, that you invite us in and you care for all of us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. The title of this sermon is Safe Surrender. Safe Surrender. You know, let's be honest. One of the unfortunate stereotypes of the church is that it's, that's often levied against us and contemporary, the contemporary Christian church is that we are truly not welcoming. Now you say, wait a minute, nobody, not our church. Not our church, you know. If, if somebody comes in and actually comes in and sees, they see a different story here. You know, uh, we, we, it's full of nice people. You're all very nice and uh, very inviting. Free to give a hug, to share, to lend a helping hand. Uh, we have great fellowship time, great food. And uh, all that's good and well and good. But um, how many remember uh, Jay Leno's person on the street? You know, he'd go around and, and get their, their ideas of, of something, whether it was geography or uh, politics or whatever. And, and, you know, he's not on television anymore doing that. Today, I would say Jimmy Kimmel is probably the one that is doing more of that now. Uh, but if they were to go out and ask about the church, if they were to go out and ask the person on the street whether the Christian church will warmly welcome anyone, no matter who they are, 
and just as they are, uh, what would the assessment be? I don't think it would be as glowing as we think we are, and that we, and that we are. The assessment would be something other than that, don't you think? And it's unfortunate. Churches are not always welcome. For whatever reason, the perception persists that we are not welcome. That although followers of Jesus are nice people and relatively moral people, one must first get his or her, this is the perception, that they have to get their act together before they come to the church. That they, to truly be welcomed and belong, and to take part, you know, it's, it's one thing to take part in a church potluck dinner and, and come together and walk in and feel as though, and something else, to come in and feel as though you really belong. That this is the place for you. That you fit in just as you are with all your backward beliefs and your years of baggage. That you belong. The result is that many people choose to stay away from the church. They stay away assuming that only people who have mastered the Christian life, the Christian look, that have a good grasp of things, can be truly loved and totally embraced. Now, those of us who call ourselves Christian and call our particular church a home, we know just how off-base that belief is. But it persists. We know that the church is a family of followers. It isn't simply a place for folks who have life figured out to get together and share stories of their wonderful successes. It's a community connected through a common bond of brokenness. A common bond of weakness and imperfection. It's a family forged by a shared faith in a God who, despite knowing the seriously screwed up stuff that each of us hides and carries with us, that he sent his son to live for us, to die for us, and to rise again for us. The Bible is clear. It isn't a country club of incredible people. We are all, like the Apostle Paul himself, the great apostle says of himself, I am the chief of sinners. I've got that down more than anything else. And we really know this. We know this. But the important question is, why don't they? Some eight years ago, um, there was a, a program coordinated by the U.S. Justice Department called Fugitive Safe Surrender, and it was launched about eight years ago. And uh, what this is, it's a faith-based program that has, uh, has been a runaway success in helping bring thousands of people who are fugitives from the law out of hiding in the dark and safely into the light of justice. 
And here's how it works. It's a program that uh, coincidentally provides the world with a peaceful snapshot of what the church at our core should truly be about and is truly about. At any given moment, there are tens of thousands of fugitives from the law walking around in our cities, all around. And while many are wanted for violent crimes, safe surrender allows, how this works is it allows nonviolent offenders to turn him or, self, him or herself in at one of the several designated local churches. Designed to avoid dangerous confrontation, the program allows uh, people with felony or misdemeanor warrants a chance to be accompanied by friends or family, uh, by members, uh, 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 family members to a well-known trusted church within the community before being processed. And it's a safe place. It's a safe place. I put the website. You should uh, look up that website sometime. And uh, it goes through all the facts, uh, all the questions, frequently asked questions. You know, how, how does this work? Is it safe? Do I go immediately to jail? Do, you know, uh, how does that work? And it's, it's very interesting. In Memphis, Tennessee, members of the New Salem Missionary Baptist Church welcomed hundreds of fugitives onto their property with handshakes and hugs, showing them where they could grab a cup of coffee and where they needed to meet the sheriff's deputy or stand be even before a judge in the church incredibly a dangerous person a broken person or a worried and tired of running person found safe surrender in a church that gave him or her hope people were welcomed into a safe non-hostile environment to surrender their lives come face to face with all the junk from which they had been running and trying to deal with When asked why they took the advantage of the program, 85% of those who turned themselves in said they did so precisely because the program involved a church. Prior to entering the doors of New Salem in Memphis or Bethel Christian Fellowship in Rochester, New York, most fugitives were afraid of what might happen if they surrendered in any other setting. Pete Elliott, a U.S. Marshal, suggests that the reason for the program's success is simply this. Churches give hope. Churches give hope. So what the Justice Department is doing and what communities around the country have tapped into is really nothing new. God's original intent is for his house and his people to be known in their neighborhoods as places of safe surrender. The church has always been in the business of welcoming people who are tired of running away from their past, who are fed up with hiding their failures. God has always been about providing imperfect people with protection from their accuser and as an opportunity to make things right and to clear their conscience in peace. 
the psalmist understands the importance of safety. David writes in Psalm 124, if, I, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, was my advocate, who is for me, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when our enemies attacked us, they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then, oh, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the name of the Lord, who has not given us as prey to their teeth. And yet somewhere along the way, when it comes to the spiritual stuff and the sin stuff, the church, for far too many people, has lost this reputation. Are we still known in the town and to our neighbors and to our friends as the place where people of all stripes with all kinds of sins can line up confident that on account of Jesus Christ, they will not be treated as their sins deserve. They will be welcomed. They will be embraced. They will be loved. They belong. We are blessed people, writes the psalmist, because we haven't been surrendered as prey. Indeed, because of the Lord's help, we have escaped. Perhaps we aren't able or prepared to answer that question. Can we be a church of hope? But here's another one. What would the church look like? What would a church do that wanted to ensure that such a message made its way out of those double doors and out into the streets and into the neighborhood? If necessary, we must rebrand ourselves again in the right light as a place of hope for whoever needs it, a place where spiritual fugitives who feel isolated and alone can uh, safely surrender their lives. There's so much pressure in this world today. We were at a conference yesterday, and we talked about this generation of always having to measure up in so many different uh, arenas and not feeling as though that they can succeed and be perfect. And so reinventing yourself in every way to mask that or to at least look like we're, we're not broken people. And it's doing so much damage to us that at least the church has to be a place where all of us can be broken because we're embraced by Jesus Christ. Now the Bible suggests three things. First, Churches of hope and surrender, safe surrender are churches that continually say to the community, to everyone out there, come as you are. The offense or the sin doesn't matter. Our friends and our neighbors must know that through our, through our people's words, through our church's actions, that the only people not allowed through the church doors are perfect people. The church isn't for perfect people, just real people. 
because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of perfection. If it was perfect people that could only come in, none of us would be here. It would be an empty room. Communities that are ser taking seriously the call of Christ to bring the kingdom to the lowest and to the least must be adamant in saying that one doesn't matter, that one doesn't have to change his or her life in order to belong. Rather, once you belong, your life is going to change. Second, churches of hope and people of hope must preach and point to Christ with relentless enthusiasm. Like I say to the kids, the point of every children's message is what? Jesus. That's the point of it all. Jesus must be the hero of every sermon, the subject of every study, the center of every song. There's a time and a place in the Christian life for us to learn about biblical parenting or the six steps to financial success. All those are good things, but followers of Jesus who want to provide a safe place for all must constantly and creatively um, place the focus on the one who is the advocate for sinners, who is on our side. The church's role isn't simply to lay more to-dos on top of people who have already been crushed by the law, but to grant them life with the message of a Savior who, uh, who has sent a, set us free through no action of our own. And then last, churches of hope must allow for the world to deeply and regularly experience this hope. There are two things that are especially important here. Specifically, Jesus himself has given us two incredible gifts to allow for real people to have a tangible encounter with God's grace. The first is baptism. And the second is the Lord's Supper. Baptism is where fugitives of faith Go to drown and die, rising again to new creation. It's wet, it's messy, it's unmatched in its beauty, and that is why when it takes place, true churches of hope celebrate it like somebody has won the lottery. We should be overjoyed in baptism. Secondly, in the Lord's Supper, Broken and baggage-laden people, like you and me, gather around bread and wine, body and blood, for a tasteable, tangible encounter with grace and mercy. It's a meal that allows recipients to actually physically taste forgiveness. When you take that cup, when you, when you dip that piece of bread in the cup, and, and then take that. You're tasting the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. Sure, there's other stuff we can do. 
But these two experiences are the most important because they have started, they were started by Jesus. They were handed to us by Jesus. And when we celebrate them, we're connected with our broken followers of Jesus throughout the world and throughout all time. Plus, for a community connected through a common bond of things such as brokenness and weakness, there's nothing better, nothing more exciting than not only hearing we're forgiven and set free, but experiencing it together. Yes, this is a place of safe surrender. Why? Here you, are tr you can truly come as you are. Here you will be constantly confronted with and comforted by the work and words of Jesus Christ. Here in this place you have a tangible, tasteable, reoccurring encounter with hope and grace. Here you'll know without question and, uh, and be able to say with great conviction that no matter what you've done in the past or what you're wrestling with right now, you have escaped and your help is in the name of the Lord. We know that the kingdom of God, the family of followers, isn't the place for people who have life all figured out to get together and share our wonderful successes. It's a fellowship of the broken who share a common bond of love, the bond of love, the love of Jesus Christ. Plenty of churches give a sense that perfection is the password for coming through the door and sitting in a pew. Plenty of churches give that sense, and far too many who would call themselves Christian believe that, that we're here to give them hell. No, people, we can find hell on our own. Just thank you. Bye. We don't need any help. May w the world know that the church exists not to raise hell or give them hell but to raise hope, give them hope. Psalm 124, blessed is the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of this day. Thank you for your love and your care for each of us. We pray in Christ's name.